Hello, everybody who's listening out there. Welcome to What Will We Watch, the podcast where we rewatch our favorite long lost childhood movies and reflect on them, see how they've aged. On today's show, we are discussing 2002's Treasure Planet. Play the trailer. Hidden somewhere in the farthest reaches of the galaxy, the loot of a thousand worlds. Walt Disney Pictures presents Treasure Planet. Robert Louis Stevenson's greatest adventure, Treasure Island, as it has never been seen before. The story of a dreamer. Pleasure to meet you, Jimmy. It's Jim. Who believed in a legend. And you are? Wait, wait, wait. What about the treasure? I don't want to lose you. I'll make you proud. Jim, this is our ship. Get ready. Brace up. For adventure. Brace yourself, Doctor. Cyborg. A story of friendship. Courage. Oh, Mama. Hold on to your lifeline, gents. And destiny. You've got the makings of greatness in you. I'm going to set things right. Pirates on my ship. Don't get me started on pirates. We move now. Treasure Planet. I just hopped off a sweet solar surfboard trip on my way up here. Ah, just touched down. And who do I see? No one, none other than my good friend, friend of the show, previous podcast guest. You know him from Baby's Day Out, Scooby-Doo, top five opening sequences. We got Nick Carl. Howdy. I, I love that you first introduced me as no one. <laughs> All the other things are super flattering, but I like that the most, I think. Uh, also, uh, graphic artist. You did our uh, beautiful cover art. Yeah, for sure. Well, we, we, we collabed on it. I was doing the technical side, and then you were giving your thoughts and opinions. I was so. ordering you around. Yeah. I was saying, Nick. I was over your shoulder. Yeah, no, you're literally, like literally on my shoulders. Like it was really hard to hit certain keys because your thighs were in the way. But... I was perched. Yeah, <laughs> and then we had a, we and then I was like, let's go try to buy some alcohol, and I threw a uh, a large coat over both of us. Yeah, <laughs> and then we tried to get into some R-rated movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're back covering Treasure Planet. Um, so good. Man, I'd never seen this movie. Oh, this man. is like a big trailer movie for me. Yeah. When it came out 2002, I was eight years old, mm -hmm. and I saw it, and I loved Atlantis. I loved Road to El Dorado. I loved all these boy adventure movies that were coming out at the time. Yeah. And um, I knew it would be a movie that I, I knew it was a movie that I had to watch. Never came to my island. Mm. So I could never see it. Right. I remember going to a movie theater with my dad, mm -hmm. seeing the trailer, like seeing the poster, trying to go to it. But my dad was like, we're going to die another day because uh, <laughs> we're uh, big James Bond. Fans. I was going to say it, it, it's a good thing. But yeah, what, um, what was your first experience? Um, I saw it. I, you know what? I really can't pinpoint whether I saw it in theaters or I saw it on DVD at home. I 
feel like it might have been at either my home or a friend's home. Yeah. Either way, I just remember being like like super into the movie and just like really connecting with like the main character and like um I don't know, just all of it. And even before I was like an animation nerd, which mm-hmm. I which I am now. Um Your and, glasses are so far up your nose oh, when you say that. Uh, it's what happens when you're a connoisseur. I wonder if this movie turned you on a little bit to animation. <laughs> That's an interesting phrasing. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, sure, I remember like noticing just like, wow, this movie looks so good. And it's so just visually interesting and different. Yeah. Let's um, talk about, uh, you know, the legacy of Treasure Planet in 2021. I think the animation is one of the biggest parts of that. Absolutely. I, I definitely think it's the biggest part of it um it i mean there's a bit of legacy also because it's based off of the the novel yeah uh treasure planet tre- yeah <laughs> the, 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 the 1800s pirate movie yeah treasure in planet. space yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh no yeah the uh the novel treasure island written by um robert lewis stevenson mm. um so yeah that is a novel which is carried on i believe and is more popular than treasure planet oh absolutely i I mean well i think disney i remember looking up i think has done like three different versions of treasure planet in various forms and i grew treasure island treasure island thank you god i wish they did three versions of Treasure <laughs> Planet. Too. i remember uh watching my dad was a big he grew up watching a lot of the live action disney movies before they really got into sad making parents angry cartoons yeah so I, I would watch the old uh, 1950s Treasure Island. Mm. And that movie, man, it makes you really realize why people thought pirates were cool. Yeah, no, definitely. And it doesn't like glorify pirates. It's really like these guys are fucking savages. Yeah, but then it's like kind of in a like slightly redeemable way. Like, yeah, it's like, a, yeah. well, especially John Silver. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a very fun boys adventure movie. Mm-hmm. Uh Walt Disney produced it himself. Um, man, a lot of great stuff in there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's also lots of versions before it. What do you think? Um, it was like a notorious bomb, uh, yeah. Treasure Planet. There is a small group of fans now mm-hmm. of like people where this is their cult Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, a lot of like fan, a, a lot of cosplay of it. Mm-hmm. And not as much as Atlantis, but I think it's in the same lane as it I, I definitely think so those two movies i almost kind of see as a pairing yeah just kind of very similar like visual style and came like, out a year apart yeah uh both playing with cgi mixed with hand-drawn animation and both succeeding at it too i yeah. would say and both um boy adventure movies mm-hmm. uh and also didn't do very well yeah both of them uh very financial disappointments um yeah looking back now in 2021 uh, do you think that this movie needs more of like a better legacy? Like I, I think it. I, I think it did fall a little too far into obscurity. I mm-hmm. get why it's not like a movie for everyone. It it isn't like, you know, it doesn't hit the same notes as other Disney stories of like, I don't know. I I guess it does, but just it doesn't like hit the same notes as you know like the Lion Kings or mm-hmm. Tarzans. Um, and like the character isn't as, I don't know, marketable, I'd say like it isn't as like cutesy or isn't as a little bit of a sad boy. Yeah, definitely. And it, and it just kind of looks like a regular guy before like doing all these crazy things. So, yeah, no, that's very Mm. true. It's hard to market like a, uh, 
market a sad boy. <laughs> you know, you can market Batman, but uh, uh-huh. Jimmy Hawkins is a little different. Yeah, definitely. What, um, yeah, how do you think, uh, what are your, like, what are your memories of Treasure Planet from when you were, you were a kid before you revisited it? Um, I remember it, like, you know when you, like, watch a movie and afterwards you have that feeling as a kid of, like, whoa, like, not like an I can do that, but just like a sense of wonder or like maybe there is something like an aspect of it. Like, oh, is space kind of like that? Yeah. Or like, is that what it'd be like to like, you know, surfboard or like something similar? Like it gave that like child like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like leaving the theater, or leaving my friend's place, I think it was. Um, and <laughs> also the song for when he gets all edgy. And is like upset at just like his living circumstances at the time, or no, no, uh, when he's on the boat and he's sad. Yeah, his about just the circumstance with his like angsty montage, angsty, just th- that song. Like I'm still here. I love that song, and it was stuck with me for so long. That's a real it. iPod shuffle song. Oh, absolutely. Where you're like, how many times can I click this button to uh-huh. get back to I'm still here? It, it's like debatably in like butt rock for a genre. <laughs> What? Do you know what that is? No. Butt rock is just like uh, Nickelback, Theory of a Dead Man, uh, like just generic rock with like the most simplest of lyrics that are almost not even really relevant. Like, like, theory of like, I'm still here is on the same level as... And they say that a hero can save us. <laughs> like I think it's like butt rock. Like it was a bad time for rock. Yeah, two thousand yeah, to two thousand four. But also great. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, we can talk about the song later. It yeah. is a doozy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that song really stuck with you. Yeah, I I remember really liking that. I think music really hit me as a kid with like movies. It's interesting you said that. Uh, that this. That it kind of gave you a, like a feeling of curiosity. Mm-hmm. This movie feels like like you're buying a ticket to a world. Yeah, um, where there's this really inventive sci-fi place that you can go travel to and yeah. let your imagination roam. And the story is like this very built-in character and like relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, not like a massive story. No, but uh, it's more about like two people. And their venture through this like incredible the, world. In- incredible is definitely the word for it. It's just so well built, and just like I don't know, it just feels like there's a lot of detail and things that like, well, they're not gonna see that, but it's there in the background or whatever. Of just, you know, it'd be so easy just to make like 15 of the same alien in the port scene or whatever. But no, it's like every alien's different. The entire crew is different. Like, and they're all different in weird ways. There's no like big-headed, bug-eyed alien. There's no like um alien-esque like you know like the um the geiger alien like it it doesn't feel like they're really pulled from anywhere i mean of course there's similarities but yeah it feels very uh kind of like the cantina in star wars yes yes you're like is that a werewolf Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're like what (laughs) but but in this one you're like is that a dog person Mm -hmm. um but then there's other ones like Oh yeah, this is just a fart alien. Yeah. This is just an alien that farts. Just a bunch of anuses. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, well, at least the design's interesting and they Yeah, yeah. no, there there there's a lot of effort I think mm-hmm. put into the creativity Absolutely. around. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, should we get into the, kind of the history of this movie? Sure. Treasure Island, uh, written by Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, inspired by a map that he drew for his stepson. Oh. And uh, he would write like a chapter a day, mm-hmm. which is insane. That's a I lot. I can't imagine that's so much. I write like five pages a day. Yeah. A chapter is insane. He would read it to his family each night. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of it is based on his own life. Mm. Um, and even like the uh, the apple barrel scene in this, yeah. it's in like almost every version of Treasure Island. And um, it's inspired by an event in his true life where he was hiding in an apple barrel and he overheard a conspiracy against his father. Oh, my God. Were people's lives just better? Back then, <laughs> like, did you just have more dramatic lives? I don't know about you. My dad works at a golf course, and I had a similar one where I'm hiding in the golf balls, and everyone's and like, "Yo, fuck Pat Carlin." <laughs> and one of them reached into the barrel yeah. to try to grab a golf ball, and uh-huh. you had to bring it up for him. And then I gave him an apple. You're <laughs> very confused. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, um, these. Uh, Disney in 1985, they're mm. kind of not knowing where to go. They hadn't really put out anything very like major recently. Yeah. So they held this thing called the Gong Show. Do you know about the Gong Show? No, I didn't. We talked about this a little bit in our um, Oliver and Company episode. Mm. Basically, all of Disney's animators and mm. executives, anyone who wanted to pitch an idea on what they think Disney should do next, could come, and it was an open floor to pitching. That's insane. Very cool. Yeah. Called it a gong show because they'd just be like, move on. And they would either like like the idea in the room or pushed away. Yeah. So things like Little Mermaid were pitched here. Mm. Oliver and Company. Oh, yeah. I, I did read about that. Yeah. They're like they were pitching at the same time as some bigger ones like Little Mermaid. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Treasure Planet was pitched. They pitched it as Pirates in Space. Mm-hmm. Let's do that. And uh, they didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. And when you like think about it back then, really hard to imagine. Yeah. It, Besides there, Star Wars, there wasn't tons of space sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, or and space sci-fi that wasn't cheesy and mm-hmm. accepted as cheesy. Like, um, I did remember reading a bit of, you know, the pitch not going well, so they couldn't make the movie there. But also them being worried about the technical side of it, and and thinking that like, hey, we need. We need to catch up with like our ideas a bit with at least tech in modern time right now. Yeah, like imagine this movie animated in 1985. It would look incredibly different. It would look incredibly different. And I mean, it'd be possible to hit the same level of um, quality. Well, pretty close. But like the budget would be even more insane because it would just like animating at the quality of this sh- movie is every ship every little artifact and or like you know the robot character that's a whole nother character who has some of the most craziest movement yeah i also think the vibe of this movie is so set in 2000 yeah it would have had a different vibe if it was made in 1985 you're right yeah uh jimmy hopkins was like a very 2000s kid yeah so uh the directors uh john musker and ron clements believe that's right i might have those names mixed up but Mm. uh (laughs) <laughs> they uh they're a directing duo responsible for pretty much the 90s disney renaissance yeah they made pictures like uh first they made the great mouse detective they made little mermaid aladdin hercules mm-hmm. they pitched uh treasure planet at the gong show got turned down 
and they kind of like kept it and they kept pitching it mm-hmm. and basically after every movie they made they're like how about now how about now and disney were like oh we don't know yeah why don't you do this one and we'll see mm-hmm. so then after like five successes they were like fuck <laughs> we gotta make you we, yeah. we gotta let you make it Uh oh. and so like the anime uh they started animating what you're talking about they had to get the technology in order to catch mm-hmm. up with it musk and clements they wanted to be able to like move the camera around the set and get angles to make it kind of feel like a spielberg james cameron movie the 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 camera movements in this movie are just like they're, they go against like all traditional principles mm-hmm. of like okay if you're going to do a crazy scene and a lot of movement then keep the camera still so you can keep the same angle like aspects and at least but. save one piece of animation yeah the but, background but no it's you're moving everything and so therefore every there's like almost no in-betweens because you have to adjust to the the camera's angle to your character it's there's it's some gorgeous so much like when when Jimmy Hopkins is hanging off the pirate flag about to float into space, like in the third act, mm-hmm. the gun flies past him and the camera traces up the gun, goes around the gun as it passes him and then looks down. And I was like, that is, you could never accomplish that. In, you could. It would just take so much longer. Yeah. So a lot of these camera movements were doable using deep canvas. Mm. Did you read about deep canvas at all? Uh, which, which one is that? So was that the deep canvas was created during Tarzan. Which was, you know, in Tarzan when he's like on the vines skating yeah. around the tree and yeah. it looks weird, but it's also like, how the fuck does he do tree surfing? Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a 3D set created in a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they created like the 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 ship, pretty much almost every background they yeah. created in deep canvas, which is a 3D model. And then a painter went in and painted every angle. With a stylus and a thing in like nineteen nine in two thousand, right? Yeah, very I, rudimentary. I, I did actually watch some of the videos on that. I, I didn't remember the name of it, but um, yeah, just and s- comparing it to like modern day three D animation now, it's just it's so slow. Yeah, and just seeing them like, you know, every time they make an adjustment, the computer like lags for a second. Well, the computer is like saving all that information and then repainting it every time you move the camera. Yeah. (laughs) So wild. So then you draw your character in 2D, Mm -hmm. hand-drawn, into it, and and then paint him into it. Onto, yeah. Oh, my God. It's uh, But I think it pays off. Like, this movie has such a unique look because of it. It was really, like built with like so much well done uh like pre-production and concept art and like Mm -hmm. did you see the uh for concept and for like just like um scope for animators and to make sure everyone's on the same page they like they made 3d sculptures and essentially it was like a form of 3d printing at the time basically like literally they with the same like sculptures that uh not sculptures, um, models, like 3D modeling yeah. um, used to animate the movie, they then put it into this big like machine that kind of made a cast. like. And would they like print it one level at a time literally like one, a 3D like, printer? Yeah, and like... What? Then in you'd... 2000? In 2002. Or no, uh, no. Um, this came out in 2002. Yeah, so, so that would be like 2000. 2000. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like... Holy like, hell. 
it um it's not the exact same thing it isn't like filament like every yeah. at every level like 3d printing is but it's a very similar one and I, th- I think, like, half the reason this budget was so insane is because they're doing that kind of stuff for concept art, just for, like, and they to get everyone like... on the same page. And to, like, that's what they had to do, though, to design um, John Silver's insane arm and Which leg. Which was all CG. Yeah. His, his leg. So there's deep canvas, mm-hmm. which is the backgrounds and the world. There's hand-drawn characters. Mm-hmm. And then they have CG in combined with the hand drawn to make like John Silver's arm, his leg, and mm-hmm. his little eye thing. And then there's like characters like um Ben who are just fully CG. Yeah. It's wild that they could combine those mm-hmm. back then. But then his Ben also has a bit of 2D inside of him. It's like 3D <laughs> background, uh, and then CG character interacting with 2D character, but then uh Ben's eyes oh. are like essentially like 2d planes that are animated so it's there's it's um, so well integrated that whole process it's ah i love it yeah they had um I'm trying to find their names where are they um, two really cool dudes um and it like it makes sense uh how well it's all integrated because if you look at the kind of the times yeah um that was right when like the integration of these like different mediums was really starting to actually like be well done. Uh-huh. Like, uh, well in Atlantis, that was their kind mm-hmm. of focus was like, how can we blend CG and hand-drawn an- 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 animation to th- make things look smoother? Yeah. And that movie succeeded where like, it doesn't really stand out this one. They're putting it on the forefront. Being yeah. Like we want this to be a part of the style and people will notice it. And Yeah. But, like, at the same time, other movies, like, outside of the studio, like, just, like, animation in general was getting really good at intertwining everything. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, around the time, there was Iron Giant, you know, full CG character basically the whole time. Um, Space Jam, 2D animation, very well done. Wow. <laughs> With yeah. And 3D animation, like, the ball, the ball almost the entire time when it's, like, the glowing when are we do space. that on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, Atlantis and Tarzan. Mm-hmm. Like, that was right about the time when just the animation world was able to pull these things off of integrating mediums. It was it's, so cool. It's so, yeah. I really wonder what it was like for these artists to have to, like, transition from hand-drawn into that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think this movie pulled it off? Like, do you think... Because watching it, mm-hmm. it's very clearly CG with some hand-drawn stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it kind of hurts your eyes for the first couple seconds. Mm-hmm. How do you feel this movie pulled it off? And do you think that it was successful? At like the integration of everything? Mm-hmm. And I'd, kind of it as an enjoyable thing to watch? Uh, I I would definitely say so. Okay. Um, I, I just, uh, sure there's some camera movements that could be like cleaned up a bit. They're a little like... A lot for the eyes, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just there's so much technique and like work put into it. Mm-hmm. It's just I, I don't know. For me personally, as like an animation nerd, I love it. It's just super well done, and I do think it's not like you know an animated movie for animation people. I think. Really. Yeah. I, I, I think. Just oh yeah. Sorry. Like I, everyone I, can. I get what you mean. It's yeah. not like the focus of it isn't 
the animation, mm-hmm. it's like something that everyone can enjoy. Exactly, yeah. But then if you're into animation, you can enjoy it maybe even a little bit more. Mm-hmm. For the know? technical stuff. There mm-hmm. was some scenes where I was like, <laughs> this looks a little bit like a Harry Potter computer game. Oh, really? Where like when he goes into like the the kitchen or like where the crew's eating at night and he looks around and it's just a POV of a yes. solely deep canvas space. Yeah. And it, you're like, that looks like it's from Laura Croft. I, I feel like the issue with that, those shots mm-hmm. were almost how, like, it's jarring in any movie to swap to POV. I think that's mm. what got me more in those. I, I mean, yeah, it looks a little off, but I feel like it's still, like, I feel that where 3D integration with 2D messes up is when something doesn't fit like one medium doesn't fit the other based on lighting or shadow mm, yes. or colors and i feel like all the shots always hit those this movie is seamless that way yeah it's like, that there you never feel like it they're in different places yeah and it isn't um it doesn't kick you out of the movie it just feels like oh it's just a style almost mm. that's the way that i interpret it because it's not trying to go for the realism or like you know, it's not trying to be like, oh, you'll you can never guess what's two D and what's three D. It just it, yeah. I don't know. That's, Does that make sense? Yep, that makes tons of sense. I um I do think it pulls it off. Mm-hmm. I th- and I think it creates its own style. Ex- yeah, which especially for this story and this world is being like, hey, we are. Uh, this is a future where not everything makes not everything makes sense as a future that you've ever seen before. Yeah, and they're they are, you know, that they. In the production design of this movie, they had the 70-30 rule. Yeah. Which I is seventy percent everything is from the past. Thirty percent is from the future. Yeah, with sci fi. Yeah. So yeah. it looks like it's from the eighteen hundreds, but with elements of the future. Maybe mm-hmm. uh some stuff stopped in the eighteen hundreds but some technology progressed. That's why you don't see like microwaves and phones. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's the same with animation, where it's like Let's do, weirdly enough, let's do 70% slightly hand-drawn, where mm-hmm. it's like characters and deep canvas is hand-drawn. Mm-hmm. And then there's 30% CG. But then almost, I want to say like all the CG in that movie is robots. And, and it machines. also looks hand-drawn, mm-hmm. which is I think is also a big thing. Since, and then since it's only the robots and the machines, mm-hmm. it, it seems more of a style than a... Because, you know what fucks up with a cg like what takes you out a movie with cg is when it's like a weird character or like a character that you've seen as you know live action or Mm -hmm. 2d and then all of a sudden for one scene it's 3d where it's like no we're humans we can easily detect when like that transition but with robots it's like okay well that's just a style then same thing with uh, with uh iron giant too Mm -hmm. where it's like let's do because he was fully i believe he was cg too yeah he was fully cg and uh also, like, I think some, like, the missiles, for example, were also CG. Yeah, I also think they created, they created, I forget what it's called, but they created a technology to make his lines move, so he looked hand-drawn. Oh, I see. <laughs> very, very Brad Birdie. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie came out November 27th, 2002. I'm telling you, this movie's made for me. Four days after my birthday, it came out. Hell yeah. Disney got behind it. They, it was pretty big promotion, Happy Meals, uh, Pepsi cans, mm-hmm. the, all the biggest stuff of 2002 Ooh. for kids' movies. Dryer's ice cream, like uh, 
galactic chocolate. Mm-hmm. Tell me how good uh, vanilla treasure sounds. Good. Yeah. I feel like they could have gotten more inventive with, with A little bit, titles. yeah. <laughs> the movie was made for $140 million. Insane. That's so much money. Started being developed in 1985. Came out 2002. Mm-hmm. It made $12 million. Opening weekend. Opening, yeah. Not a terrific weekend. A horrible weekend, honestly, for, for that budget at least. I can't imagine what it would feel like to be like, this is what we worked on, groundbreaking technology, kind of a big star, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, probably the biggest star in the cast. Yeah, and, and like story was good. Like a, Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... And they also put their hearts into it. Mm-hmm. And it was something that they had made in 2002. This came out, and this was their movie, their passion project. And it came out. And it made $12 million opening weekend. And they had been like, trust us, this will succeed. Yeah, for a million pitches. Overall, it closed out earning $109 million worldwide. Even even if it hit budget, that isn't that isn't good in no. movie terms. That's <laughs> So it didn't even hit budget, so that's very bad. Yeah. And Why do you think it didn't succeed? Um, so for starters, put way way too much money into it like in comparison i have a couple but do you think that's why it didn't succeed is too much money i i mean i think it was set up to fail because here here's some other budgets so the first toy story 30 million they would have demolished that small company though that's true um yeah bugs life 45 mil lilo and stitch really same year 80 mil same company too Mm Hmm. okay so like you know it's so much money now that you just said eighty million dollars, a hundred and forty million dollars is so much money. It's so much, and Leland Stitch is also like two D with there's three D aspects in it, and yeah. like it, of course it 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 doesn't have the same scale as Treasure Planet, but it's <sighs> it, it it's really hard to say like Leland Stitch came out that year, yeah, two thousand two, only a few months before, yeah, um, in the summer. It's interesting that they didn't push this movie for a summer release. It's interesting that they put it in November, which isn't even a haul. It like they're not aiming for the Christmas market. Yeah, either. that's that's a very good point. I wonder. Yeah, you know, a lot of people. There's a conspiracy. Like, there's conspiracy seems big for mm-hmm. uh, a movie release, but some people think this movie was set up to fail. I guess the theory is that Disney wanted to move towards. Fully computer animation. And they saw this movie as, first of all, it wasn't greenlit by the current studio head. Mm -hmm. I believe uh, Michael Eisner had left. I believe. I don't know. Mm. (laughs) The studio head who greenlit it had left. Yeah. Um, There's a new guy. Usually new guys, new executives will kill everything that's under them Mm -hmm. uh, so that they don't get blamed for the bombs of the pre- of their predecessor or they don't get shamed for the successes of their predecessor. Yeah. Weirdly enough this movie succeeded. They were probably already too much money into too much money in. Mm-hmm. So they thought that maybe they set this movie up to fail in order to kill hand-drawn animation. I mean it's plausible cuz what ended up happening it was the last traditionally animated movie out of Disney. It pretty much killed the hand-drawn animation 
in in Disney, it definitely did. Like they didn't do any more. But yeah, even just in general, I, I think mean, besides other companies, like Princess and the Frog, which that is wasn't, also these guys, but it wasn't traditionally animated. Yeah, yeah. it's it is two D animated, but it's not with pen and paper. But it pretty much also killed two D animation. Yeah, fully. Yeah, um, which is a real bummer. And, sad. And I think that might also have been like what went wrong. I think people were really starting to want that Pixar three D because yeah. you know. Bugs Life, Toy Story, Toy Story Two, Pixar coming out of the yeah, c- coming out of the gate with just some rockers, ridiculous movies. Um, so I I just think they were on. It was kind of losing traction. People were just starting to like more, you know, live action kids movies. Yeah, and you know the three D hits. I think they're moving away from. I don't think they. I don't think anyone especially a company, mm-hmm. sets out to fail. Mm-mm. And I really, especially in Hollywood, I don't think a lot of people are like, let's lose money. Yeah. Um, I think Atlantis came out, same world. Mm-hmm. Adventureland for boys aimed. Um, didn't do very well. It was also a bomb. Mm-hmm. I think this movie just, I think it was too visually complicated. Mm. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like, and it, I think it made a great piece of art, but it's you just got to realize what it is at the end of the day. And it's great now looking at it, yeah, without having to think about that 140 million dollars. Yeah, it's a really enjoyable movie that you can put on now. But if you go to theaters with your kid, do you want to risk this weird animation which you hadn't seen before? Mm-hmm. The violence, mm. um, it's based on kind of an old story, which might not be interesting. Yeah, that it was weird. That, I also yeah. think it's impossible to market. Yeah. How do you market this movie without giving anything away? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think that's ever an issue with marketing. I don't think they care about giving stuff away. But that's the thing. They put out advertisements that gave shit away. Mm-hmm. Like that gave away that John Silver's the villain, that Morph switches al- 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 allegiances. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, they, they, they gave a lot of stuff away. But I I don't think that's 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 ever an issue though with kids movies, because I don't think kids are ever like oh I don't want to go see that now that I know. But don't you want to create a question with marketing? Yeah, but I I just feel like with with kids it's just kind of a different thing to market to kids. If it's flashy and it looks cool, they're gonna jump into it. Yeah. So that's true. I, I'm, but like I, I I do get what you're saying though. Yeah. Most people you talk to now either hate it or love it. Treasure Planet? Yeah. Mm, we yeah. have a good friend. Yeah, we do. Fraser McLean. Just on for mm. Pluto Nash. He hates this movie. Yeah. I, Which I think is a little much. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, I guess his complaint is that it doesn't have stakes uh, and none of the characters change, which I would argue. I definitely fully. argue. And it's like, well, I don't know. I, I think of this as just like an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. You just look at it at that. And also, like, the stakes are... Um, Stakes are more personal. The mm-hmm. stakes are like Jimmy Hopkins' soul. Yeah. Where's he going to go? Uh, and also. Like his his confidence in where he, where he's going to go. Yeah. He's been like beat down as this troublemaker by basically everyone. And so whenever he kind of starts doing something that he feels like is like kind of true to him, he just gets beat down again. He's like, oh, so meeting this guy. Yeah. yeah. But I think today, I think it's the same as back then. Most people either hate this movie mm-hmm. or really connect to it. And uh, I think that was pretty much the overall flaw. 
yeah that happened back then the movie came out didn't do well set up for a sequel already written the script mm-hmm. that got canceled right away yeah there's supposed to be like some straight to video yeah movies it was but... about um jimmy hopkins and his classmate kate mm. um kind of a love interest from the royal interstellar academy mm-hmm. they have to team up with john silver to go stop a villainous pirate named Ironbeard, who is played by Willem Dafoe. Awesome. Feels good. That would be so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and because Willem Dafoe as Ironbeard is going to free a bunch of prisoners from an intergalactic prison. Mm-hmm. Would have been good, man. Yeah, definitely. I like would have loved to watch that. An anti-heist movie. Oh. Basically. <laughs> That's so cool. Is there a lot of anti-heist movies? I, I can't think of it. I, I just made that phrase up. We should write those. Yeah. That would be so depressing. Just yeah. people trying to stop cool shit from happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just right. like going into places and changing locks. <laughs> Dang it. I can't get in. The, the skeleton key don't work. They put a security camera there. <laughs> 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 all right uh just just in people installing stuff yeah <laughs> should we get to uh should we discuss our favorite scenes sure so right off the bat one of my favorite scenes in this entire movie and i think, I think it's, it's probably the best and we also both agree on this scene see <laughs> opening yeah definitely you see a cargo galleon sailing through the ethereum it's kind of like a breathable layer in space mm-hmm. created for this movie if you were wondering, <laughs> it's filled with life and air and solar currents that, that for people to sail on mm-hmm. when it's attacked by a legendary pirate, Captain Nathaniel Flint. And we see this big war between them. Mm-hmm. And then between these two battling ships pops the face of young Jimmy Hopkins. Turns out gigantic. <laughs> turns out that he's reading it in a hollow book. It's a book that's a hologram. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, I just think the scene is so e- economic with storytelling. That sets up so much stuff. Exa- that's exactly it. Of just like, it could have just been, oh, the flashback scene telling the story, cut to page in a book, young uh, Jim looking mm-hmm. at it, mom comes in, they chat, finish reading the book. You know, cut, 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 cut. Instead, it's all intertwined in one, all happening at the same time, but hitting every beat, but not feeling like too much almost. Like, Yeah, and just like, first of all, the voiceover is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's this like deep British voice, talk like reading you a story, mm. bringing in cool, setting up the world of like, there's an Ethereum. This is a galleon. It's traveling in space. Oh, what are those laser boosters on it Mm -hmm. you see this beautiful battle and then in the middle of it a giant's kid a kid's head appears like what is this movie fun and that gets me on board right away yeah i get that um i also love that sets up his want so it sets up the legend of uh flint's treasure but Mm -hmm. then also sets up little jimmy's want of uh traveling and adventuring and finding that treasure Mm mm-hmm Sets up him, his and his mother's relationship, which is really uh, what's motivating him throughout the entire movie. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think it does a great job of doing that in like two minutes. Yeah. And also just introducing kind of what this world has to offer of, well, we're going to be going to space. 
um, it isn't just tech. It's old, new tech. It's yeah. It's kind of steamworky. Um, yeah. Oh, dude, it's steampunk, but good. Ex- oh, yeah. Not steamwork, steampunk. Yeah. It, it, and good. That's... <laughs> So I hate good. steampunk so much. Yeah. Uh, like, it's kind of cool, though, that but you got to admit. It, like, I feel like with this version of it, it f- like everything feels actually intrinsic to it. I think yeah. the thing that bugs me about steampunk is when there's gears for no reason on things. Yes. It's like, why? But, like, everything, like, tech-related in this one, it seems like, oh, it's because it's attached to that, to that, to that, which allows him to change his arm or mm. And it's, like, like very that. suave. Yeah. Uh, it's very comfortable in this world. I think the 70-30 rule is, like, the reason why this world works. Oh, completely. I'm yeah. going to take that for future stuff. No, it's, yeah, I think, I think you should. And then it cuts to my second favorite scene, mm-hmm. which is our introduction to Jimmy Hopkins. 15 years old now. Mm-hmm. Looks a little more like he's 29. Ooh, he's a bad boy. <laughs> he's a bad boy. He's got cool hair. He got a rat tail. He kind of has like e-boy, like fuck boy hair. He now. should be in Sway House. Yeah. Sway, <laughs> Sway House over Hype House. He looks like he should be on TikTok. Yeah. Real oh, thirst yeah. trap. Definitely. But he's got a rat tail. <laughs> he all, all he's missing is like that lower lip bite. Yes. <laughs> Can you imagine him doing like TikToks uh, shirtless while solar surfing? Oh, I and I have. <laughs> Are you on solar talk? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it's basically him surfing through what's like an industrial site on like a surfboard with a jet engine attached to it mm. and a sail that like picks up light. Um, and it's just like, honestly, I got chills watching this scene. Mm hmm. Did you? Oh, like I remember rewatching it. I I just remembered how much I had that same feeling uh, whenever I watched it as a kid. There's just like once there's one part where he's like doing it. And obviously the graphics are very interesting. He goes up, closes the sail, goes into like a free fall. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, whoa, this is so exciting Mm -hmm. and like exhilarating. And he's grinding through it. But then there's one point where he's aiming for like a spinning wheel. And like a, like a water wheel. Yeah. And he just goes like, whoa. And he like throws his hands by his side. And he's like, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And he shoots forward. And I got straight chills mm-hmm. uh, the first time. Rewatched it a second time. Chills were still there. Yeah. The adrenaline in that scene is pretty well done. Yeah. I think it's just a great. And it's also shows you the animation that we're going to be dealing with. Where yeah. It is, it is deep canvas, CG, uh, the sales CG, and his board is CG, and then a 2D character. Mm-hmm. But interacting with all these things, not just like a 2D thing next to a 3D thing. Like, it, no, they're intrinsic to each other. Also, future sports. Yeah. Future extreme sports. Yeah. Which was such a big thing in the early 2000s. Oh, I fucking yes. hate extreme sports now. <laughs> it's been force fed to me. Yeah. It's fair. <laughs> but this one actually feels very good. Um, Jimmy Hopkins. Kind of reminds me of uh, John Connor from T2. Hmm. Just like a okay. bad boy loner. Yeah. Kind of seems like he'd be hanging out in an arcade now or in the 80s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seems like he'd be on TikTok now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, what I kind of like about his character, it's they set it up really beautifully, which is, you know, he's this troublemaker, gets in trouble with the law, knows the rule that he broke better mm. than the robots that are arresting yeah. him. But he also has this like heart where he dis like when he disappoints his parents or his 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 mom his single mother mm-hmm. 
he like feels bad about it. Yeah, he's not just like, and he doesn't want to let people down. He's not like fuck you, mom. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more of like, yeah, it feels like his consequences actually affect him, and like seeing other people, like he actually cares about the I'm disappointed in you look. Yeah, and he like wants to change. Mm-hmm. I also love that he's at a point in his life where he could go one or two ways. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like a guy, like a kid who's at that time in his life where without a male role model, a father figure, you could go either way. Mm -hmm. You could go like down the wrong path. And um, I think that's really what his story is in this movie. Yeah, he's just looking for that. Like it isn't intrinsic to like, you know, a strong uh, lead character to have a father figure. But Jim in that moment, that's what he really wants. He wants the adventure, but he also does just kind of need some sort of guidance to that adventure yeah. and like i love that he i don't lo- like it's sad but it's also i think what so many people feel is that they don't have if you don't have a dream like he he has a dream but he doesn't have any hope for his future mm-hmm. to make something of himself so he's been like why should i try yeah um, and I think that's a really powerful thing to give your character. And when we're talking about like a sad boy protagonist, that's hard to market. That's very angst is super hard to market for kids mm-hmm. movies. Definitely. It's almost like a teenage movie more. It, yeah. I, or like a 12 year old boy movie. It, it's like in such a weird kind of small area. It isn't <laughs> as wide a scope as some of these other Disney movies. Yeah. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the voice acting the uh, and then I really think the the animation acting is huge in this movie. Yeah, a lot of it is in his eyes. I was trying to think because if you look at him, his nose is so low. <laughs> I was like, that's weird. Mm. Maybe that's why this movie didn't do well. His <laughs> noses are so low in them. Um, but his eyes are like the center of his face, mm-hmm. and it's, there's he does a lot of like all the other characters do a lot of large acting. Mm. he does a lot of eye acting yeah which is interesting for animation it, yeah it's very very subtle uh yeah. his his little movements and i mean and i do think some of the other characters have those too like uh like john silver mm-hmm. uh, of course he's this huge bravado like he moves around a lot his arms constantly moving but in those moments when he's like you know recognizing that he's really like you know getting attached to jimbo um he kind of like that facade kind of drops and it's just a like a little eye movement similar to i love those Jim. scenes it there's it's super well done just the it's so interesting that they have to you know joe gordon levitt mm-hmm. i think he's really good in this movie yeah i kept being like if we did a 20 if they did a live action version of this movie back then should have been joe gordon levitt and then seeing the credits i was like oh no way he's really great in this he has mm-hmm. that kind of like intelligent angry angsty voice yeah which i think translates really well and he also has that like sensitive side in in his voice Mm -hmm. um which pairs really well with the animation but something that's so interesting with john silver and especially especially john silver Mm -hmm. is you know they're they're spinning all these plates with the animation of like having to do cg mixed with hand-drawn and having to make that work in tandem but then I feel like they also put so much care into the acting. Mm-hmm. Like, it's weird. This is actually, like, a really well-acted animated movie. Yeah. Which I'd never really noticed or thought about until kind of 
developing this podcast. Oh yeah, no, it, it's something that I always look for with animation. Really, I feel like it. Yeah, that sometimes gets dropped of like, oh, kind of like same with movies where it's like, you know, you could just do like back and forth between two people having a conversation, or you could just leave that camera on the individual and just see them reacting to all those words, and like that says a lot more than exposition through dialogue or something like that. Because that's what this movie feels like. Mm-hmm. Is like. It feels like there's so many more subtle emotional beats mm-hmm. in these in these characters' faces that aren't even just coming through with with the dialogue. I will say it feels like you're, you're totally right for John Silver and Jim, and then for the other side characters, it's like all exposition yeah. and like shit. But it's also just two. like huge cartoonish acting stereotype to like the tens for all of them and then yeah but then these two main characters are just like really nuanced so it's a weird mix especially in that scene just that the dialogue scenes between them Mm -hmm. are like some really beautiful soft acting yeah um i think you got to give it up to the animators for that Mm -hmm. um and the voice actors obviously great performances one of my favorite scenes of the movie was just based on like you know the uh, acting through animation mm-hmm. was um, the flashback scene uh, during well it, it was during the I'm still here like s- song montage yes but then it's you know no dialogue is said and it's cutting between John Silver and Jim and uh, Jim's past with you know mom and dad and dad leaving a bunch and stuff like that and just so much is said without like that it, is that is an incredibly beautiful sequence. Mm-hmm. It's like that montage of, um, you know, it's it's building their relationship. John Silver, they get paired together on this mission. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the cook, and he, the cabin boy, has to like help him. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, they're like rivals in the beginning, which is always good. Mm-hmm. But then, as like, as they bond, and it, as like John Silver learns that he doesn't have a dad, mm-hmm. he kind of like steps in. Yeah. And you see that sensitive side kind of grow as they become closer and he teaches him more about like how to be a spacer. He gives him life skills. Mm-hmm. And um I love that sequence, but the that part of seeing his childhood, little Jimmy Hopkins childhood, is really beautiful. Yeah. And I like think so. I, I was like, Jade, you gotta watch this part. Cause like it makes you so sad and you feel all those scenes mm-hmm. in that character. Yeah, it like He's, definitely the music helps, but mm-hmm. the animation is you're totally right, it sells it. Like yeah, and you kind of feel like those scenes have carried like when he's hanging off the dock watching his dad leave on the ferry. Mm-hmm. You feel like that's been with this character ever since then. Yeah. And kind definitely. of like affected every choice that he's made. And like I don't know, some other animated movies would show like, you know, the way it would be cut together would be he pe- he peeks out the window, um, quickly cut to him running down and just barely not making like, you know, cutting back and forth between the boat, leaving him. But no, there's like the there are a couple times in that sequence where like the scene stops for a second just to look at Jim for a bit and just see him like process this information of dad's leaving again. Or this time I think dad's like fully leaving because I'm looking at mom she's yeah really distressed so i can only imagine like just it's it it feels like it really gives time and respects the audience to like oh you you can see 
what these characters are feeling without us saying anything. Apparently that sequence, um, not in the original script. Mm. When the animator, like the chief animator who is in charge of uh, Hawk of Hawkins, mm-hmm. he um, he developed like a whole backstory for Jim. He had read all these child psychology books to really get the feeling of where he was in his life at this point. Mm. And then when he went in to go talk to the directors, he was like, so like, how do you think, where is Jim's dad? Like, mm. where is he? And they're like, I don't know. Like, where do you think he is? And he's like, I don't know. I see it as like, and he pretty much described that entire sequence. Mm-hmm. And that was something that he created That's really in order cool. to feed into the animation for the acting. Mm. And then they were like, that's great. We'll put it in. Um, Yeah, I love that part. That mm. part, like, that's yeah. the heart of the movie that gets you invested. Yeah, I agree. Um, Want to talk a little about John Silver? Sure. I, I, I really like him. And I like his kind of uh, conflict and, like, him kind of jumping between the two things. Mm-hmm. I do feel um, like he's missing just, like, one little flashback or one extra okay like because like you know the movie kind of starts showing the division of his interests of Mm -hmm. like oh he wants to be supportive and you know somehow in the life of in jim's life but then also you know his goal for this whole time has been to get this treasure um and it feels like the conflict is like kind of there, mm-hmm. but then he's pretty leaning to the treasure thing and then kind of, but like, I feel like he needed one more like, oh, this is the reason why he wants that treasure. Like, it feels like that flashback is there mm. when they're like, they're in that sequence and they're, they're bonding. Mm-hmm. He's like, so how did, uh, how did you become a cyborg? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's an offensive question in, <laughs> Eventually. in, 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 in the future. <laughs> um, and he was like, Sometimes you got to give up. Um, you got to give up a lot for the things you want. Don't you feel like that is the unsaid flashback or like the unshown flashback? I I just feel like it wasn't enough to really make that climax part of him holding the ship mm-hmm. and choosing between mm. the ship. I feel like you needed one more to really send home how much that ship meant to him. Oh, okay. Because it did feel a little bit like, okay, well, clearly he's going to go with the kid. He, like, even though... Even outside of us just being movie educated and knowing that, like, okay, he's going to go for the kid. Yeah. Um, just adding a ne- another little scene to really, like, show that, what am I going to go for here? Just missing that, I think. Yeah. I th- I think I hear what you're saying. Because I, I was kind of like, he's just greedy. Like, that's his thing. Right? It's just, yeah. like, something, you know, some terrible childhood where, like, he just totally grew up learning money is the only thing that'll keep me going or something. You know, like, even though that's basic, I think that would help with this. I like that. Yeah. I would like that if we saw, like, some kind of trauma in his childhood. I also like it being unsaid. And I like mm. the mystery of, like, why the hell is this guy so driven for this? Mm. Um, I also really like the kind of cyborg metaphor. Mm. Which is like he is, um, he is like half warm guy, mm-hmm. half cold, mechanical obsession. Yeah, and like that is, and that's kind of the internal conflict that he has, and it's shown outwardly 
from by his like cyborgness, which I think is just a nice little detail that um that 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 they put in. What do you think of Brian Murphy's performance? Quickly before that, just yeah. on on that note though, I felt like it was really cool when you know he went full cyborg or bad guy, like when Jim and group go to the planet and he also goes there and they're kind of conflicting yeah and he's really like struggling technically because jim like stabbed the cyborg side but he's like you know playing off this bad guy but he's like barely being able to move because i and it kind of feels like another metaphor for just how he's conflicted and it isn't as clear a like oh yeah i can just be the bad guy right now because fuck these i don't know these people who cares now it's like a Oh, but like, I think that is on purpose. I think you're I, right. Yeah. I also love, uh, I feel like, like, you know, Morph, his little, mm. his, his little transforming little fart bubble. Yeah. Who feels like a Pokemon. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, like he represents his like soft side because it's like the only thing that he could nurture and love and be vulnerable to, with before he met Jim. Yeah. And, and I feel like it was also it sh- it it made it less drastic a mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. why did he just like Jim? Has he, he never met anyone that age before? But like it shows like okay no he he he's deep down has always liked I think nurturing yeah the right person or thing so I th- I think that's in my opinion what uh, aside from just being plot device yeah <laughs> morph the plot device I also and also think... morph the marketable uh olaf um you know side disney character sebastian the yes, crab exactly yeah. there is yeah. like you know there is that that thing of being like well you need some kooky funny sidekick for like one person to have mm-hmm. also the villain always has like a parrot or some right, some yeah. psychic of 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 their own. I'm glad they didn't just make like a mech parrot. This like the that would have sucked. That would have sucked. It would have been Dude. like, hey, we get it. I honestly didn't even realize he was supposed to be a parrot until like at the end of the movie when he's giving him away. I was like, oh, that's the parrot. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, he uh, they they, they we kind of skipped over it, but Jimmy Hopkins gets the orb. Um. Turns out it's. Turns out it's a map to to the treasure planet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his his kind of professor slash friend, mm-hmm. who's kind of representing the like lawful good. Yeah, uh, Doctor Dobler, I forget what his name is. Played by yeah. Nigel Crane from from uh, Frasier, David Hyde Pierce. Mm. Um, he reminds me of C three PO. He's just C like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was honestly watching his performance. I was like, how is David Hyde Pierce so British without being British? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, how does he sound like he has an accent while being, I'm pretty sure, fully American? Yeah. No. And it's like, it also doesn't fully sound like a, a good British accent. No. But it sounds like a good accent at the same time. Yeah. Because like, in know. Frasier, that's what he sounds like. Yeah. Like, exactly. And in everything. Mm-hmm. Wet Hot American Summer, that's what he sounds like. Um, so yeah, they, they find out that the orb is a map. They hire the crew. That's where, uh, Long John Silver comes in. He's the chef, but secretly he's the cyborg that killed Billy Bones. Mm -hmm. That gave the map to Hawkins. Um, they set out, who do you think your favorite, uh, crewmate is? Cause I'm going for the farty. So we're not talking John Silver, Jim. Yes. Okay. Um, 
I mean, no one really got time in this like time in the sun, really. No, that's true. Um, and like, you know, the the evil, the evil one, like the crabman, mm-hmm. um, kind of cool, but also kind of one note. I I kind of re- I really liked the design of uh of that one alien who was just head and arms. <laughs> it was so disgusting like and so weird, and how it like it like mo- like traversed around. It's also very men in blacky. Yes, yeah, like those like worm, mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah, some of that. And I I did kind of like the like kind of bigger dude who was like the gunman a lot. Mm-hmm. Just like there'd be so many times where he would just be like, Ooga la za ba, just like <laughs> I'm like everyone else speaks English in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he is such a weird dude. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like I kind of like it though. But um, one of those two, I'd say. Yeah, so uh, we do get that montage. Of them building. I just want to go back to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a quote here. Go for it. It's from the lead animator for John Silver named Keen. Didn't write down his whole name. I feel bad about that. But he said, uh, the relationship between Silver and Jim is like a father and son. Every, dra- every dad struggles to help his son realize his potential. And that's certainly true of me and my son. The greatest goal is to see him reach his potential. And for me, that's the treasure of being a father. And that kind of feels like that's the arc mm-hmm. of John Silver is giving up one treasure for another. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Like, do you think you connect with this movie because of their relationship? I, I definitely think so. I, I mean, you said you like kind of dad son relationships. Yeah. Father son. Like that stuff makes me cry the most mm-hmm. like, about time. Crazy father son relationship. Um, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. But yeah, yeah the that's definitely one part of the movie that i'm like well this is definitely my kind of movie because of that yeah and i always like are you close with your dad yeah very i grew up not super close with my dad Mm. he was always like we lived together till i was like five parents got divorced Mm -hmm. and then i saw him like once a year Mm. for christmas right And that was pretty much it and so my entire life like this is kind of a movie that I've never really a relationship that I've never seen in a movie really until this one, mm. which is the surrogate father or even the like looking for a role model mm-hmm. and a character who like needs a father figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, a, and then like a villain filling that role, which I think that honestly, now that I'm saying it is a kind of stereotypical story, mm-hmm. but um, this one really connected with me because I like, I don't know. I feel very similar, at least when I was a teenager, to Jimmy Hopkins, mm-hmm. which is I would always like collect father figures. Mm. And yeah, I feel like that relationship rings very true to things that I've experienced as like a kid who needed a father figure, which is like feeling that feeling that relationship build. And then also that betrayal if like if they turn out to be a dick. Mm hmm and um weird motives yeah and yeah. it's just really like it's just a really beautiful story i think mm-hmm. and something that i haven't really seen in a lot of stuff and i feel like that's what makes me connect to this story and it also doesn't feel as preachy about it it's not like some obvious like oh it's the school counselor yeah like saying it to the bad kid in class which is like you know those can still be well done and stuff like um uh, Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you know. it feels very similar to that. Yeah, but it, 
in a very like weird kind of world to focus in on that aspect yes. when like this world is this grand thing but it's like we're just going back to this one little human relationship which is it feels very favreau-esque okay yeah like it yeah. feels um it's just focused like a big world let's give a lot of fun stuff mm-hmm. but let's keep it simple yeah and let's focus on the humans at the center of this wacky wacky world mm-hmm. um you might be good for a 2020 2021 remake Mm. um yeah i just really love that relationship yeah and i feel like that's the heart of the movie and that's what really carries it forward yeah and lost my point (laughs) where were we before that so this brings me to uh the supernova Mm. which is another cool sequence Mm -hmm. when they're surfing and they've kind of like built this relationship and then all of a sudden there's uh there's a there's a black hole Mm -hmm. which is pulling them in and there's captain amelia what do you think of Captain Amelia? She's like that kind of cat captain. What do you, she your, is your eyes are closed and you're in your just like such a terrible character. Dude, what are you talking about? She's cool. She is she she's definitely cool, but the way the movie uses her as a character is terrible. Like it, what? She's she's just like she's really cool for the first part. Yes. And then like basically as soon as the the chief rock guy gets out then it just goes downhill from there where she's just like a tag along, gets hurt, gets nursed, and falls for the the nerdy guy and is just used as a like as something to like flutter her eyelashes at the, That's true. the goofy character for the rest of it. Like That's if, true. If she stuck around and actually did cool shit, I would have loved it. Cause I I thought she was like a pretty well put together character at the beginning. Yeah. Like there are some sick moments when they do have a mutiny and she takes charge. Yeah, but then he, I like that part. But then he still like she never ends up doing the like the really right thing. It always ends up with like oh, Jim did something that was like, "Okay, that was pretty smart" or the dog guy does something by accident. Mm-hmm, she just mm-hmm. kind of leads them and then they finish it off. That is it, very true. Where it's and like, that is kind of like And she gets like there's no satisfying like badass moments see for her. like scenes there i think they're you're right there are badass little moments mm-hmm. but then it'll, the scene will overall get taken by buddy who does the final thing i agree and then and then the entire time she's like injured she she almost totally loses that like authoritative or whatever figure and she's like you're kind of cute like but I then you also feel like that's part of her her like arc in it if i'm gonna argue that it is like, I do like seeing characters change, mm-hmm. and I do feel like that's her being like, I got to, I have to, like, let someone, some, I, I'm physically hurt. I have to, like, let someone else take over in order to met, take care of myself. It's just, I feel like it's done in a boring way of turning from a, a badass lady into it a is. baby mama. Very, very true. So that's... Like I, I do agree that like at least there was the change in the character, mm-hmm. but it just feels so. It's going from active to 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 passive. Yeah, which and is not an interesting arc. And like, especially for like you know, the one female role yeah. that it's like, oh no. They also, I'm pretty sure, only made her a female captain to have the romance. Oh, completely. <laughs> which completely. I, I was like, oh, she's cool. And then right when they fall in love, I was like, oh, that's why. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, played by uh, what's her name? 
Emma Thompson. Yeah, just like uh, she's terrific. That this. that first scene when she's just like <laughs> everything spick and span, like and just like doesn't stop talking and is just shitting on every character, and I'm like, oh fuck yeah, <laughs> but just like so. I don't know. So suave. So suave, yeah. Yeah, very. and just like her, all of her words come out so smoothly yeah. and put together. And they're all like hugely complicated words where you're like, oh, that's, mm-hmm. I barely understood what she said. And it was interesting seeing like the second command being the stereotypical captain, mm-hmm. like, look. And then she comes in and is like, okay, that's kind of weird. And then in like two lines of dialogue, you're like, okay, I get it. Okay, I see. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> she, no, she's, she's in charge. <laughs> yeah, the stereotypical, the big rock guy. Yeah. Captain uh, or Mr. Arrow. Yeah. You know, he looks like Korg from Thor Ragnarok. And I was wondering, because they're both rock monsters, if it's the same universe. It's like Korg mixed with like uh, Buzz Lightyear. Yes. Because of the huge <laughs> exactly, <crazy. laughs> And like the the posture. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, I don't. Definitely. Also definitely same universe. Group. Uh, Mr. Scroop, the like big crab guy mm-hmm. or big sp- spider guy, reminds me of uh, the like Anakin's nemesis in the pod races from Phantom of of the Menace. Oh, Sabulba, uh, Sabul- yeah, Sabulba, <laughs> who like fucks with everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they were very very similar characters. Yeah. Um, I yeah, kinda, I kind of wish that character stuck around a bit more. I felt like that was mm-hmm. that might have helped a bit later on. Oh, that would have been a nice thing to have when the planet is blowing up. When the planet's blowing up and maybe, like, to really seal the deal of um, John Silver's, like, switch. Yeah. You know, that that character was basically created from his desire because he brought him along the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then even though he's, like, switched, now this is a huge consequence that he just has to quickly deal with Jim. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's definitely not like, oh, that would be the right way to do it. But yeah. it did feel a little bit like, oh, even though he's one note, he is kind of good as the. That's that is that is the character and the way that is in the book, though. I feel like a lot of places where this movie kind of lags is being faithful to the book. Yeah. Because that whole like even going up the mast mm-hmm. is in the book. Right. And uh, and, you know, instead uh jim hawkins shoots him instead of letting him fly into space Mm -hmm. but um yeah i feel like those things they're like i gotta stick to the book which uh which kind of hurts it yeah the supernova not in the book what yeah (laughs) (laughs) i do like that scene though because it going back to uh captain amelia Mm -hmm. It does show her being like, this is why she's a good fucking captain. Actually, yeah, that was also a great scene that she actually got the last say in. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and just the score in that moment when they're flying up on the explosion. Mm-hmm. I feel like the score in this movie is great. Fantastic. It, it it really reminds me. I thought it was John Powell at first because uh, it reminds me of How to Train Your Dragon. Yes. That like, you know, that uplifting feeling when like in that movie when they're flying in the sky and you're like experiencing with them this movie has similar like kind of uplifting feeling as they're like racing through space like evading these things yeah literally there's like meteor like meteorites coming to them from that explosion and the the shooter is like shooting them (laughs) mid-air like the the helmsman i guess or no that's the the 
It's so cannon sick. operator. Yeah, it's so cool. It's a really great animated sequence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the score is by. I'm trying to find who it is. I feel like I've James. lost my document. Oh, it's a full thing. Here it is. Um, the score is by James Newton Howard, yeah. who did also did Atlantis. Yeah. Um, and it's like very referencing back to like the swashbuckling pictures of like the 1930s and 40s, which mm-hmm. is really fun. And I just find it so triumphant in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and it's like also another parallel to like Indiana Jones esque that like sweeping yes. orchestra. Like yeah, this movie is very Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. and I I like it for that aspect. If you just look at it like that, when they're uh, when the when their inn is on fire, I was like, that's very Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can't go back home. Yes. <laughs> also, just the the tavern being on fire. Oh in, yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> less of a, a more less literal. of a deep one. <laughs> uh, uh, the next one is. Uh, my next favorite, like, I'll, I'll say it. One of my next favorite scenes mm-hmm. is when they crash land on Treasure Planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Amelia's hurt. Dog's taking care of her. James, Jimmy, goes off to go uh, find a place for them to hide, and he runs into Ben, um, who's like a robot who's been left here for 100 years. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this part where most people hate this movie mm. uh martin short plays ben a volume erratic mm-hmm. uh robot what are your thoughts on ben i feel like it's it's innocent enough you got to realize it's a kid's movie at a certain point and that's yeah i don't know it, does it he feels, work for you i i think he does i think i like just on paper like maybe the way he like like the voice acting choices and like the levels or I mean, it might be the direction choices more than voice actor, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe a little high, but like th- the idea of this robot who is kind of the key, but the memory unit is off and he's li- dribbling out information. It, it's it felt like believable and not like, you know, yeah, f- uh, like contrived, like, oh, he f- of course he fucking remembers. He's just. Like, it's like, okay, it makes sense that thing's there. And then that coming back to, like, cluing in at the very end. Again, another Indiana Jones thing is someone realizing, oh, picking that thing up, like, connected all these things. Yeah, do you... Because he's not a necessary character. I think he works. I mm-hmm. love Martin Short. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I was kind of, like, on board for all of his, like insanity and and, and improvs mm-hmm. and i really like that he's like a foil to everything they do yeah like it, it, they would have been fine if they didn't have this robot with them yeah but he is also like, like an incredibly pointless character like he they don't need him to find the treasure he doesn't do anything really when they find the treasure they're gonna know about the booby trap soon enough he he does uh get them to the ship hmm yeah. Which okay. Yeah, like I, you could have them discover that. Oh no, yeah. It like he he does he does things, but nothing that's like oh without him without that very specific individual wouldn't have worked. It's pretty he, workaround. He's also holdover from the book, mm-hmm. and in the 1950s movie, he is a terrifying character. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's just this like, you know that Rick and Morty ep- episode. They go back to like the the world that Rick built for Morty's mom when she was a little girl to go play in with her best friend, and then 
her best friend gets left there as a child. Oh, I, I didn't and see that one. Back, yeah. And he's been there for like 45 years. Yeah. That's what literally the character in the 1950s one is like. Like that insane of a of, Jesus. Of a so this one is much tamer. Yeah. And much nicer. Mm-hmm. I feel like the things that people don't like about this movie is kind of holdovers from the book. Yeah. That they kind of, you know, have to keep. And then they're like, okay, well, I guess we'll. We need to have this aspect, so I guess we'll use this aspect as another thing for kids. Like yeah. it's a, you know, that it, is a good toy. Yeah, that, that's it, like a very merchandisable, very good toy, and like you know, th- like some of the lines he says, I feel like are the lines that the kids say at school the next day, kind of thing. Like, or, or at least that's what they were trying to go for with him. That's what I would have done. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely me. <laughs> um, and then last on my list for uh, favorite scenes, the exploding planet. Mm. Um, oh, with I, like the tele, yeah. Which the teleporter, like the teleporting door thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just like yeah. So they go, they find out that uh, the orb is really a key to open up a door, mm-hmm. and that's how uh, Flint has been able to be such a successful pirate. Well, that I thought it was a really cool concept. It's a really fun concept. Builds out the world, and you don't even think it's going to be anything mm-hmm. until the final minutes. Yeah. Um. Because almost right afterwards, they realize all the treasures right below them. So, like, instantly, you I don't know, as an audience, you kind of forget about it for a second. It's like, oh, that's the main thing. And yeah. that's, like, the reason for it. Yeah. It's just that. Uh, yeah, I actually, I really bought, did you, you said you kind of knew uh, Silver was going to pick Jim over the treasure. Mm-hmm. I thought he was committed to full Disney villain. Really? Yeah. I I was like, oh, he's going to fall in a lava because mm. he's greedy. And that's that's how Jim's going to learn his like lesson. Mm. Um I I saw it because of how much how much time they gave to John Silver mm-hmm. in the movie mm-hmm. in showing those moments, like those moments that we talked about of the the eye movements and the, you know, he walking in on Jim being like oh you're asleep on the ground and then seeing you did all the dishes and putting the coat on and like since they gave so much time to that i felt like it wasn't a disney move to chuck it away okay i could i could definitely see with a different director or whatever being like fuck it (laughs) um but it didn't feel like a disney move okay Um, do you think if they didn't have that montage mm -hmm. he would have died yeah and that's how jim would have learned his uh lesson i think so yeah, I think Muster and Clements really, like, it is their idea, mm-hmm. but I think they really were the right people, and they had the right, like, heart to mm-hmm. tell this story. They also told my favorite Disney movie ever. This thing is, Treasure Planet is in, is in the runs now, mm. but uh, Moana, they made Moana. I still haven't seen it. Dude, I hear Moana it's really good. Kills. Yeah. It slaps. Um on my Instagram, there's a video of me in Hawaii on the beach with my shirt ruffling in the wind singing uh, the song of Moana. And we'll play that clip here. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So the planet's exploding. And like, you know, we we're talking about there's that really sweet scene between Silver and Jim where he's like, I know you're going to do great things mm-hmm. and I can't wait to see it. Which I think is a really sweet moment. Yeah, it, it's such a good moment. And then we have it here where it comes to fruition where the planet's going to explode. They can't get out in time. Mm-hmm. So they have to go through the door. But Jim has to fly ahead on his little homemade surfboard. 
to like touch the button. To, yeah. Yeah. And I just, first of all, great way to tie in a video game to it. Yeah. Because this, this movie had video games and you know that that's a level. That's such a, yeah. Um, But I really just love that kind of like moment between them where mm-hmm. he gets the courage and self-belief to do it from silver yeah it's a great it's a great uh villain turn and i do think silver is like one of the more conflicted villains i i really like it i i know people tried about like oh well it doesn't feel like he's the villain so it doesn't feel like there's any opposing force in the story but it i don't know it, it i feel like it's just a couple characters fighting themselves and fighting their own issues and that's like what makes it a weird disney movie I think, definitely is yeah that it's not like it's all moral ambiguity yeah and it's all about like it's more of a relationship movie rather than any real world threatening stakes getting revenge on the bad guy like that's mm-hmm. not really yeah it's just like is this guy gonna be a shit heel again and is this kid going to become a shit heel? Like, do humans <laughs> just automatically go back to their natural, like, thing? Or do they can they learn and grow as a person? Yeah. <laughs> like, and, like, can you put someone else ahead of you? Yeah. It's, like, it's honestly more of an emotionally honest Disney movie than most Disney movies. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so what's age the best for you? Um, I mean, obviously, like, I've said a bunch of this podcast, the animation. Mm-hmm. Animation's ridiculous. Um. It's, and I think it's such a good thing to look at, um, to maybe consider giving 2D another shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, know, just, uh, computer assisted 2D animation, or do you just mean 2D animation? Just like 2D animation in general. I mean, of course there's still 2D stuff. Like a lot of independent studios are still doing 2D. Um, what was like, the last 2D sh- movie you saw? Uh, Klaus. I've never even heard of it. Uh, it was a movie about the origins of Santa, which sounds shit. Very, very well done. Okay. Yeah, just I, I, I feel like it, it, it's a medium that can still exist and then just get assisted by 3D mm-hmm. um, and CG and compute like actual computer. Like I don't think we should ever go back to tr- traditional animation at this point. I think it is just too expensive and it's cool, but it doesn't bring a whole lot to the table. Okay. Um, and. Yeah, another thing that aged well is I just, even if you're not going to watch this, like, you know, if you're a kid and you're not watching this and getting the same, like, not feeling the same beats that, you know, like, maybe you or I are feeling right now, Mm -hmm. I still feel like it is just that Indiana Jones movie of, like, plot, like... um, Every five minutes, there's a big event. There's a big event, and it moves forward the plot all the time, and it's, like, to different set pieces and Mm -hmm. it's just every set piece is interesting in its own way so like even if you're not there being invested in the characters you can watch it like googly eyed at just like i don't know the world that's being showed in front of you so i think that's another positive it has and also the soundtrack we chatted about it mine is uh what says the best is for me because of star wars i think Mm. is the world yeah the the sci-fi elements and the kind of fantasy sci-fi instead of Star Trek sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, I think is age the best. It's Definitely. like a it's... thing that I want to go see and I want to experience more of. It's so funny that it was so it was you know it's like what is that almost twenty years ago, but it's so refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. refreshing <laughs> compared to like sci-fi now. Yeah, we're like oh, I guess everything is gonna be like 
dreary and yeah and like everything's gonna be made of metal like you've never been like oh my god is that a wood a wood galleon flying through you yeah wood and <laughs> copper <laughs> like yeah interesting yeah the color pattern in this movie is great i also I think it. the only kind of thing that has been recent close to this is steampunk and steampunk is aged the worst since mm. 2006 yeah <laughs> and um this is just such a fun version of steampunk. Yeah. And I think it's really kudos to them for having a terrific production design. Yeah, production design and just concept team, just incredible. What's age the worst? Um kind of well, I mean, for starts the captain character like I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I am coming from a perspective of like a 2021 viewer of like you know, can we have a decent female character? Yes. <laughs> like Yes. I, th- I I I agree. Yeah, it's like it's not even like, oh, it's just a bad character. It's like, oh, it's a bad character in like the traditionally bad female character ways of like, oh, at the end of the movie when they put babies in her and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> which I don't know. Like, may I think I'm just arguing this just to argue it. Yeah. I think maybe like she is happy at the end. Yeah. And you can tell. You know, this is the old argument, but you can tell she is like a very control freak in the beginning Mm. and like very like in charge. Everything has to be she's leading Mm -hmm. and then she she can't take time for herself. And then she does learn to do that. It's again, it's not an Mm -hmm. interesting arc. It's not a super great arc. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm fine with her having babies. I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, fine with it, her having babies. It, it it just feels like it pushes home the like, ooh, this is a bad arc. Yeah, ooh, it's getting a little worse. Of just like, oh, it's stereotypical. Oh no, it's, oh no, this whole movie is like ingenuity and like different takes. And then these this these two side characters are like, we're staying true to that one. It though. is and it is the most boring part yeah. of this movie. So I I think that one ages really really bad. Um, I think. The yeah. soundtrack ages, ages the worst. Really? The score ages the best. This okay. fucking, uh, who is it? John Resnick? Yeah. I think his songs, you were saying age well, I think they really sour the movie. And they do stand out as kind of a sore thumb in a movie that feels timeless. Mm. They feel exactly from the era that they're that the movie was made in. I think you might be right. And I think I'm just nostalgic to it. I think that's definitely a nostalgic part for me. Yeah. Because I just like that song. But it's definitely, like I was saying, butt rock and like <laughs> and <it does laughs> nothing to write home about. stand out when you're watching and you're like, what a beautifully visually told movie. The score is delicate mm-hmm. and interesting. And then all of a sudden it's like, I am. <laughs> what are the lyrics? I'm still here. And you're just like. Huh. <laughs> it's a really beautiful it's, visual. Yeah, well, it's like it's just like no uh, dialogue because you can tell by the animation. But I'm gonna sing all the exposition right now. <laughs> yeah, and then I think the uh, the song at the end, the end credits, is also not very oh, good. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Um, that's for me. What's age the worst? Mm. I also I think some of the animation. I think some of the only the deep frame. Like some parts with just the deep frame, like what I was saying when he looks around mm. the the kitchen when no other animated figures are in it, 
I think if you're if you don't have the nostalgia for this time mm. or the knowledge or the interest in animation to appreciate it, I think looking back, you're going to be like, there's there's bad animation in that. I kind of just take it more as or like early animation, like every movie. They don't have every single shot is beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a couple of shots that are like. That seems kind of weird or like that didn't work or like. It just felt like a couple bad shots, like that POV one is an example. Or there was uh, when um, the turtle who brings the orb, um, if you actually look at Billy the, Bones, Billy Bones, if you look at the chest during that scene, yeah, um, it's probably the worst 3D animated object in the whole movie. It doesn't create shadow. It's not like interacting with the light at all. Like it even feels weird for the character. The texture's very confusing with the way that it's CG too. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a couple things that you, like sure the animation is lacking a bit, but I feel like there's so, it's so minimal that I, I would disagree that it aged poorly. Me too. And yeah. I, I, I wouldn't put it in here. Okay. I just think maybe if you show it to a kid now who doesn't appreciate animation, that mm. might be something that's aged for them. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Uh, does this movie need a 2021 live action remake? They've been doing them a lot. I don't think so. Because I think the things that we've been chatting about, the main issues of this movie are from that story. Mm-hmm. And he's just, I, I don't think you can get around it without just completely having a new story, which you might as well do. I think um, you're right. Yeah. I, th- I think it's not. It's not good on its own merits enough. Mm-hmm. It's like this movie is held up so much by its technical prowess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's like it's direction. It's like voice acting, uh, animation, soundtrack. And also a lot of the score. a lot of Sorry. the twists, a lot of the like story development. You already know from the original. Yeah. And and even like some of it's a little stereotypical, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Father being the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I mean. You know, father figure. Yeah. I, um, but you know, if we get the rights, because maybe this podcast Mm -hmm. sparks a worldwide discussion Mm -hmm. about should we have a Treasure Planet remake? That's definitely the discussion the world needs right now. (laughs) There aren't way more pressing discussions. Nope. (laughs) So the world's discussing do we need a Disney Plus series Mm -hmm. or a live action movie? Which one do you think? I'd say series, personally. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I yeah. think um, the story wouldn't lend itself. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If we do a series, do you think the story lends itself to a series, to like a seven-hour series? Or do you think it would be a story set in the world? Like, I I could see the movie in the seven-hour series, but then... Well, not seven-hour series, though. I could see it as more like... um. Like, have you seen uh, Over the Garden Wall, Mm-mm. the animated movie, it, it, animated series? It's beautifully well done. I definitely suggest it. I've heard it's really good. And, like, episode lengths can vary sometimes. Sometimes it's, like, a 15 or sometimes it can be, like, 25 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I think this would be pretty good for just, like, a, a bunch of those. And uh, I say series, too, because then, for example, the one thing that I was saying was missing before was John Silver needing a little bit in my opinion, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe an episode, you know, that dives into him, just, like, a quick tenor or something like that. I think it would be really cool. 
you want to know why his last name's Silver. Yeah. He like, goes and he's like, do you have any gold? And he's like, I only have silver. And the guy's like, I guess that's what we'll call you. Cut to credits. <laughs> 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 or like, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Because I, I feel like then you'd get into the Han Solo kind of danger part where you're like, I never needed to know Han Solo's last name. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. there's that kind of danger going into his backstory. Yeah. No, like, uh, like all I would need was just like, you know, a couple minutes of just some childhood a little bit. Okay. It doesn't need the full thing. I definitely don't want the full summary because then you're right. It Sometimes characters become less interesting Yeah, when it's just like, oh. But more so just like, you know, the main thing about him in this movie, one of the main things is like, well, two, is his greed mm-hmm. for wanting this treasure really badly and also his desire to maybe like, you know, support Jim, support this person that he's... Like maybe what he wasn't given. What he I wasn't like given, which then could also lead to why he needs that treasure. So like, mm-hmm. I just like the series aspect because, you know, some of my favorite episodes in series are those weird episodes where it's like, well, that didn't really further the plot, but the character development of that episode is spot on. Ooh. Uh, which, is what, which is what I feel like this movie does really well. So if you have more time to focus on that stuff in the series. Who would you like uh, for Jim Hawkins as the cast? Now we've got a cast... If we're going from the movie, mm-hmm. a fifteen-year-old, yeah, who uh, who who are you thinking? For starters, I I I would say you could do a lot of the same people. I think because mm-hmm. like they, I think they all knocked out of the park. Um, but my new one would ones, it be live action? Oh, sorry. Uh, I prefer uh, animated. But what if we're gonna go live action? If we're gonna go live action, yeah. um, I was thinking uh. Uh, Asa Butterfield, like the from Sex, Sex Education. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I think he'd be a pretty good Jim. He'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he's a little older, but I I feel like it could work. I wonder. You wouldn't have the bad boy ness, like you wouldn't have the like this dude's a renegade. I mean, I feel like you could pull it off though. Like, okay. I mean, sure, like his characters so far have been kind of more like bookish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which that's my fear is with this character is but that like, you have to have someone who you're like, Oh, I can definitely picture that guy going down the wrong path. Which I mean, I feel like is shown in that first well, second scene with him doing the craziness with yeah. the, and getting caught by the police right away. Okay. So, which is, I think he could probably pull that off. Like, I don't think it'd be too tough. It's not like, it's all just based on the character. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that uh, happens in the plot there. When you're introduced to that character, it's like, oh, he's a badass. Yeah, His, I, like that. The the animated character's design is obviously helps a lot of the edginess. But I was thinking, fifteen. You also have to cast someone who. Yeah, you got to cast someone with a bit of an attitude. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, Finn Wolf or Finn Wolfhart. Finn Wolfhart. Yeah, he gets cast in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I don't always think it works. Mm-hmm. I think this actually might be the right casting for Finn Wolfhart. Is because honestly, when I see him, especially in Stranger Things, I'm like, he seems a bit, he seems kind of mean. Mm. And I think a good thing for Jimmy Hopkins would be, especially live action, mm-hmm. would be if you pushed it a little bit more towards he's already gone down. He's kind of lost that kindness 
and he off the is, top. he yeah. is a bit he's already a bit mean yeah as opposed to in the movie where he's kind of like on the line there yeah no and, i could see that finn okay. wolfhart kind of has the like he seems a little like uh ignorant a little mm-hmm. conceited a little full of himself and focused on himself and focused on himself and yeah. i think you need that for uh for jimmy hopkins in order to get like a really interesting arc true no i, I could see it um yeah, and and especially now because I mean I've I haven't really kept up with Stranger Things, so I'm sure like now he even looks even more kind of mm-hmm. fitting for that role. He also needs that thirst trap potential. And I'm yeah. saying he's a 15 year old boy. I do not want to have to cast a thirst trap potential. <laughs> I feel like that'd be really uncomfortable. I mean, it's it's all over the internet though. Like there are so many Finn Wolfhard fans. I know it's... that's that's what I was going off. Uh, I, yeah. I, I was like, what would kids like? Mm-hmm. Um. John Silver. I'm glad you're thinking about what would kids like. Well, I'm glad that's on your mind a lot. Don't bring back to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> John Silver. Uh, you got to have a mean, cold-hearted killer who can also play sensitive. You go first, because I, yeah. I originally I, I had my cast written down for voice acting. Oh, for voice so mine acting. is Nolan North. Who's that? Uh, he, he's like the voice actor for video games. Mm. He's voice acted like every character ever he's also in like every animated show um him and uh but essentially in the video game industry there are these two voice actors and like literally they're on a panel and they're like well people get more work when we die like (laughs) like jokingly and it was like in context it made sense but like and everyone's like it's kind of true what do they look like um here I can pull up Nolan North. He's kind of like a, like he's he's close to like having like a John Silvery, but like I think something nice about the John Silver character in the movie is like, just like big guy gives a good hug. Yeah, and like you can you know, tell there's a lot of ale fat on him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's a handsome dude. Yeah. Right. But uh, probably not John Silver type. Well, what were you thinking? I was thinking. Because this is also pairing with Finn Wolfhart. And you got to get that uh, kind of edge, mercenary feeling almost. Mm-hmm. I was thinking too. Sylvester Stallone. Or Antonio Banderas. Interesting. Sorry, I laughed at Sylvester Stallone just because <laughs> at first that's a, that's a crazy idea. But I can see it. Can I you can not see, see it, it though? Give yeah. him, get him back a little bit into like his sensitive acting instead of like full-on action hero and then you're also playing yeah. with that with both of those uh with the with the audience's knowledge of both of those lead 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 leading into this yeah i think you gotta get an oscar out of it i will say i cannot see him having those moments of like you know seeing jim cleaned up everything and like having those like like those character like i like kind of glosses over for a second i can only see him staring off into the distance (laughs) like even if in the shot it looks like he's looking at jim i feel like he's looking past him all the time i don't know why (laughs) half lids half lids staring yeah i I, um i'll say that i think it's more of like a jutted out jaw all right all right Mm-hmm. But I can also see him limping around with half a cyborg, which would be cool. Mm-hmm. And Antonio Banderas, I just like it. 
I just like it a lot. I'm actually drawing a blank on Antonio Banderas. Zorro? Never saw it. What? I love Antonio Banderas. And I think he needs to come back to Disney. Interesting. Oh, I could totally see him. Just like... Because he I... also has... If you see Spy Kids, he mm. has yeah. that fatherly, oh, that's who, super yeah. cool dad. I feel like he'd be a lot of fun. I feel like you. I feel like he's a fun role model who you wouldn't trust everything that he says. Yeah, that's and you true. also wouldn't trust him to make that choice at the end. Both these guys, that's what it's playing on. Is would you trust them to pick Jim over their treasure? With that concept alone, you made me think of a a good, good like who? I think I know my John Silver now. Who? Uh, Michael Shannon. <sighs> It's good. Yeah. It's really good. I think because that aspect of the not trustworthy, I feel like half of his characters are like, ooh, you you can pull off a kind of nice, but like you've done some shit. You think you can pull off a, oh, but what are you doing there, mighty? <laughs> you think you can pull off one of those? My I, I think so. I, he's too cold. He's he. But then have you seen... Uh, him in that movie, Shape of Water. No, <laughs> it's very emotional. In that movie. Yeah, when he's the fish in the end. <laughs> no, but uh, the one where he's saving his family from the tsunami. No. Yeah, uh, he's really good in that. What is that movie called? Um, but yeah, just very like you know, trying to find his kids mm-hmm. and his wife and just like. I like I, that. Okay. I, I think so. I think he could. Um, do you have anyone for Doctor Doppler? Um, the that's the the dogman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't. I think David Hyde Pierce could redo it. Oh yeah. Do you have anyone for Captain Amelia? Tilda Swinton. Very good. Tilda Swinton, absolutely. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I love it. Let's get I mean, her in. I mean, she's so great at just becoming anything. I could say that for all the characters. Oh, Jim, Tilda Swinton. Honestly, Tilda Swinton <laughs> as. John Silver is a sweet casting. Yes! <laughs> that is some sweet casting. Yes! Um, what about Ben, the annoying robot? Oh, oh I was thinking um, the voice actor for um, Sonic the Hedgehog. I chose Ben Schwartz Oh, you did well. Vince Ralph? <laughs> this character is John Ralphio. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh, just that's where he's so like, awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just going all over the place. That's oh, so funny. Sweet. Yeah, Ben Schwartz. Also, his name's okay. already there. Heck yeah. <laughs> High five. Boo. We're distance. We can't. Now, who is... Who's show running this baby? I I got a good one. Um, but it's kind of hard to pitch it to you because you haven't seen Klaus. But uh, Sergio Pablos, okay. uh, who directed Klaus, mm-hmm. which it, that movie was made a year ago, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um. And it is another beautiful, it's like 2D animated, but involving a lot of like 3D and CG integration mm-hmm. to the point where you're like, is this 2D or 3D? I can't tell half the time. Like it's Whoa. like, yeah, it, it's a very similar concept to like probably how Treasure Planet was in that time. And that's for your animated series. Yeah, that, that was for the animated series. But honestly, for this too, I'd like, okay. I, I could still see him working for this. Nice. I was um, thinking... Robert Rodriguez? Because he does like kind of fun, inventive technology in Spy Kids. Yeah. But he also has this way of creating. First, he knows how to work with digital effects. Mm-hmm. He's really good at creating worlds, mm-hmm. like in Attila Battle Angel. 
Yeah. And uh, I'd like to see him. And uh, yeah. He also has the El Rey network, so he could have a platform for it besides Disney Plus. And it'd be, it'd have a really cool style to it. Yeah. Because he directed Machete Kills, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. So, like, you know. He also directed Machete. (laughs) Not just Machete Kills. (laughs) I always forget there's a first one. Um, But yeah. I, okay, you know what? I could see it. I think that'd be interesting, definitely. I think he'd be fun to do the action. Yeah. Um all right. I like our uh Hell yeah. I like our twenty twenty remake. I think if we're making it, mm-hmm. we insist on animation. I think so. Disney, they might they might uh bend our arm and make us do live action. So we got two options. Last question. Mm-hmm. Would you show Treasure Planet to a kid in twenty twenty one? I think I would. Yeah, I, I I think it's a nice story, um, showing some like uh, sensitivity between like two male characters mm-hmm. that sometimes is missing or sometimes is, you know, even if there is some sensitivity, it's all surrounded by like bravado. Mm-hmm. Even though this movie does have some of that of like, oh, you gotta work hard to really get my love or whatever. It does feel like, you know, like that moment on the deck when, uh. Jim lets out tears and then John Silver just like is totally okay with it and brings him in and stuff like yeah and just you know showing some decent positive like relations and yeah that whole relationship like and really the yeah you're right the like positive male relationships and that you know not always coming from people who you would think mm-hmm. are the people for that yeah um, the kind of like unlikely people that it comes from, I think is a really positive thing. And it's really, uh, it's really sweet. And I would totally, I would totally mm-hmm. show it to a kid. I'd be interested in how they think about the animation, mm. but I think it holds up for adults. Mm-hmm. I think it holds up for kids too. I don't think kids are that critical on animation. I think five minutes in, y- if you can watch it for five minutes, mm-hmm. you can watch the entire thing. Like there's nothing later on. Like if you're, I think for some people mm-hmm. it might stand out, mm. but I think if you can watch it for five minutes, you're like, okay, this is like, I completely forgot about it. Mm. Okay. Nick, is there mm-hmm. a recent movie that if it came out when you were a kid, you would have loved it? Yeah. I think my movie would probably be Klaus. Okay. Yeah. That that would probably be the best. Sounds interesting. Watch. Yeah. It, it And it's just, uh, it seems stereotypical with like, santa origins it's like oh my god shoot me but no it's like it's it's another like character focused one of like showing these characters who are you know struggling at the at the beginning with stuff and Mm -hmm. like one of the struggles that is dealt with in this movie is mourning Mm -hmm. in a santa origin movie there's a there's a big amount of it that's about this person overcoming mourning and it's like whoa (laughs) but it's very well done and it's still clearly a kid's movie but it's yeah, like it got an Oscar nom, and honestly, I forget what won that year. It was something that deserved it, but I totally could have seen it getting an Oscar. I'll check that out. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's Do you Netflix. really want to quickly Google the 2002 Oscars for an- an- animation? Yeah, because I'm 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 interested in seeing in what came out this year. What is the 2002 or 2003 Academy Awards for best animation? Okay, so you got... What are the noms? Treasure Planet, you know. Um, Spirit, Stallion of the Sum- Sumerian. 
which did have good animation. Had a lot of eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, it did. Eyebrows. Um, eyebrows. Ice Age, the first one. Wow. Which was pretty well done. Yeah. Especially like three, like full CG. Uh, Lilo and Stitch. Ah, yeah. Yeah. That. Which is, you know. I got to watch that. the final one, a little film called Spirited Away. Literally like top box office in Japan of all time still. Also like one of the greatest animated movies ever. Oh, yeah. like So that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I... Do not think Treasure Planet should have won if <laughs> Spirited Away was there. That is true. Spirited Away really kills all of those. Yeah. All right, everyone. Um, Nick, thank Yo. you so much for joining us. Of Do course, you have anything to promote? Um, nothing in particular. Um, just dealing with quarantine right now. So I'm gonna promote everyone stay the fuck home. Nice. Uh, I just want to say thank you for doing our beautiful cover art. Course. Uh, you're a great graphic artist. Thank you. Um, I'll put your Instagram in the show notes. Sure. Where they can see your creations. Mm. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you're a terrific guest. Everyone go listen to his past episodes. He's terrific. Uh, please, if you enjoy our episode, please uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Give us a five-star review, and I'll read your review on the next episode. Just waiting for enough of them. That means give me reviews. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at, at, what, at, at what will we watch podcast. We're doing a lot of fun animated clips there. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us. Please come back next week and enjoy your week. Bye-bye. See ya. See ya.